guessing that like me, uh, you want more happiness and joy in your life. Fantastic. Um, good for you, right? That you're not waiting for happiness to magically appear in your life and you're willing to take some action to figure out how to spend more of your life feeling full of joy. Let me start by telling you a little bit about myself and then we'll talk about what you can expect from this webinar. Um, you know, as a child, as many of us, most of us are, I was very happy, full of love, curiosity, creativity. Uh, but then life happened. Um, throw in a divorce, um, some bullying uh, in elementary and junior high, typical teenage angst of a girl wearing glasses and uh, having a large overbite. And um, well, you can imagine, um, you know, we all we all experience hurts and traumas in our lives. Nobody escapes without some of those. And in response, we build up walls to protect ourselves. But what we don't recognize at the time is that the self-protection measures that we are putting on and taking as our truths actually can keep us stuck in patterns that no longer work for us and keep us from living our happiest lives. So, you know, flash forward 20 years, I had what looked on the outside as the perfect life, uh, a high powered job, I traveled around, a wonderful husband, uh, four dive trip vacations a year, and I was so miserable and in so much pain um, that really I was um, at the end of my rope, I was ready to check out. So it took me hitting rock bottom and several years of um, therapy and working on things and learning a lot and exploring to be able to reconnect with my ability to even identify, let alone feel happiness and joy. So I know you will be a much faster learner than me. I could not get out of my own way and that's, you know, par for the, port, par for the course, but you know, you will get there faster. And I have consolidated um, some of the science, some of the research, some of the best practices to create the three most important things I've learned through the years so that you can start living your happiest life right now. So did you know that there is an annual report out there that looks at happiness across the globe and ranks countries by the happiness of the people that live there? It is called the World Happiness Report. It's in its eighth year of reporting. And for anyone that um, wants to, to read all the chapters, it's about 132 pages of really good economics and regression analysis and all the good stuff that uh, uh, numbers geeks like myself just eat up. Um, but basically, to boil it down, um, you know, there's a couple of important takeaways here that I wanted to share with you. Um, they do their rankings based on six categories, and they do it in a way that allows for comparison despite differences in income levels. So some of the structural factors that we look at for happiness, social support, things like access to medical care, mental health care, child care, support for seniors, healthy life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, generosity, perceptions of corruption. And so the researchers, some of the world's leading economists around the world, um, get together and co-author chapters and do research together. And they ask people questions to self-rate about their happiness, laughter, and enjoyment. 
Um, I think it, we should all be really proud because Canada ranks number nine of 156 countries. Um, and, you know, key factors there, the takeaways, trust in organizations and social connectedness are what's been identified year over year as the biggest factors that are correlated with higher happiness. And that's urban versus rural, um, wealthy countries versus uh, less wealthy, uh, less developed countries. So we really see the difference. Um, just so you know, Finland's been number one for the last three years. So we have something to strive for. Can we cultivate more happiness? I mean, trust in organizations, we're pretty darn lucky to live in Canada. And I think, you know, our current times right now really, really illustrates that. Um, but even in today's craziness, you do have the ability to increase the root causes of happiness. So you can cultivate greater happiness in your life. When I first decided I wanted to be happier, I needed to be happier or I really didn't want to be around anymore. Um, I didn't even remember how. I, um, I could describe fleeting moments of feeling happy. Big belly laughs when I laughed so hard my stomach ached. The first time I dove in the Cayman Islands and um, I was clinging to the swim platform, not wanting to go underwater, just absolutely terrified. And I let go of the swim platform and I went under the water. And it was amazing. It was miraculous. I had never, I could never have believed in a million years that there was this incredible, beautiful, colorful world under the water. Um, and it just, it, it, it was so beautiful. And I could never have imagined it until I was there. And that was pure joy. And I knew from those moments, I wanted more and more. And I needed to figure out how to create more and more happiness. So that really started me on a path of researching and um, exploring and trial and error to kind of figure out how to be happier. So we'll start with the first tip, because I think this one is probably the most critical. Yep, the slide boost. There we go. <laughs> so tip number one, find your unique definition of happy. There is no one way to be happy. And my happy may not be the same as what makes you happy. So, you know, when I started doing this 18 years ago, um, my counselor at the time started me writing a journal. She said, keep a journal nearby. Um, today, I use my phone and I have a note called the happiness note in my phone. And basically it's about the power of observation. Um, again, the more you focus on things, the more you see them. So focusing on happiness means you start to get a sense of what are you doing? What does it feel like when you're happy? How do you start to you know, see more and more of that? You'll start to see patterns. Um, that's going to all make sense in a couple of minutes when we start building a happiness plan. Um, but really, it's, you know, the more you see something, 
the more your attention goes there, the more energy goes there. And there's a lot of kind of quantum mechanics and cool stuff behind this that says what you focus on, you get more of. So um, in the metrics world, uh, we say what you measure matters uh, because that's where you're going to focus your energy and attention. You're going to get more of it. So if you're focusing on moments of happiness, you're going to be seeing them more and more. And then you're also going to be seeing patterns. Um, one of the things that I use as a technique that was good for me when I was first getting started also is to, um, it's a little bit weird, but bear with me, um, thinking about if it was my last day on earth, whenever that is, you know, hopefully well into my 90s. But if it was my last day on earth and I was looking back on my life, what would make me feel like it had been a life well lived? Um, reflecting on that question and then really writing all that down has allowed me to set goals, short-term and long-term goals for my life that um, makes me feel really proud of who I am and where I am. And I, I would highly recommend that. Again, um, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life, right? There's no mulligan. There's no do-over here. So make it, you know, give it your best. I want to talk a little bit about um, what happiness, how do you measure your happiness? Where, where is it? Because we all have energy levels. And this um, diagram, uh, while it looks a little woo-woo, bear with me, it's um, about measuring um, your emotional scale or your scale of consciousness. So if you look on the left hand, you'll see some numbers. It's a bit of an eye chart, um, you know, and, and kind of just look at the, the uh, labels next to it. Anger, pride, courage, willingness, acceptance love, joy, enlightenment. What resonates with you? What describes the state of mind you feel most often? You don't have to be there all the time, but where, where do you think you feel you're kind of, you know, hitting most of the time? Most of us resonate at less than 250 on this scale. Re lots of research studies around that. I know I did. Um, you know, we all carry our baggage, our negative conditioning. And, uh, and then, you know, certainly I also have those moments where I feel like I'm trying to do some big happy change and then someone else is raining on my parade and bringing me back down. So according to science, we should be aiming to resonate at about 500. 500 is love and love and joy. I mean, can you imagine if you were, you were living in love and joy for most of the time? When you're at this level consistently, life becomes remarkably different. So now when I look at this funnel, um, the word that resonates most for me is joy, which is pretty darn good and it feels incredible most of the time, you know, despite, going, despite all the things going on in the world and, and everything else, I can come at it from a place of being grounded and joyful. I know I've changed through this work and it's changed everything for the better. You know, um, 
Let's talk a little bit about where we are in the world in COVID-19, because it's important. Um, I think many of us, especially those that are really empathetic, are struggling right now. There is a lot of grief. There is guilt. There is anger. And that's okay. But you don't want to stay down in that place. You need to be able to pull yourself back up and out. I've had a rough couple of weeks because the you know, watching a lot of news, my kids being out of school, not knowing what's going on, having elderly parents that are far away, um, really, you know, impacted my, um, my sense of happiness and joy. And that's normal. But the next two tips are exactly what I went back to when I realized where I was and that I needed to, to kind of get back in and do that work to bring myself back up to my now natural frequency of joy. So here's our number two tip, drop your walls. That's a huge one. We all wear a mask, you know, whether it's the mask of perfectionism, the Instagram beauty, um, you know, all those things that we do. We wear masks from our, our, you know, partners. We wear masks from our best friends. We have things that we don't want to look at even to ourselves. So, you know, it's important to connect with that reality. We have stuff we hide from. So, you know, that's okay. We've all felt the sting of rejection and the embarrassment of trying to put yourself out there and feeling like a failure. I have felt the embarrassment of a dog scratching themselves in the middle of a presentation right now. Uh, how do you connect and reconnect with your true self? It's not so easy to look in the mirror if you don't like what you're seeing. And trust me, this is not professional advice. I would be the first one to say, please, if you are carrying some big traumas, get support, ask for help. Mental health services can be a game changer. You don't have to do it by yourself and figure it out by yourself. But you know how it is when you, when you don't learn the lesson the first time, it gets louder and louder. That's how it's been for me as well. And, you know, even after the birth of my first son, what should have been the most amazing time, I was back to work full time, trying to be the perfect wife and mother, run a business. I had so much anxiety and I fell apart and I said to my girlfriend, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just so overwhelmed. Everybody else is figuring this out. Why can't I do it? And she said something that has really stuck with me. She said, the only people that have perfect lives are the people you don't know well enough to know what's really going on behind closed doors. I really took it to heart and I'm glad I did because when I started opening up about my struggles, my vulnerability, I connected much more deeply with my friends and I found out who my real friends were. I treasure those folks because they love and accept me for the real me. They showed up with wine and sushi to love me in my best moments and my worst moments, especially the worst moments. Be that friend. Remember, it's as much of an honor when you let someone else be present when you're at your worst as the honor you feel when they let you be there to support them. 
So listen to your gut because your inner voice is there. It's strong and it will tell you what you need. Um, and speak your truth. That doesn't mean just, you know, say whatever's on your mind unfiltered. It means when you know what your truth is inside, don't hide it. Don't be afraid to stand up for that truth because you might rock the boat or hurt someone's feelings. You know, you can say things with kindness and compassion, but you don't need to pretend that you're not feeling something if you are. You need to be um, really true to yourself. And uh, as, as a... Um, lovely massage therapist that I've been working with has said to me, you are able, you are capable, you are enough. So tip number three, our final tip, uh, last but definitely not least, is nourish to flourish. So I know there's a lot going on, you know, like there is so much out there about meditation, exercise, health and wellness practices, eating better food, all that good stuff. Today we are not going into all that detail. There's a lot out there. I encourage you to, to do that, to take some action, but we're gonna touch on a few things because quite frankly, there's a lot of stuff happening in your body, mind, and soul that can make it easier or harder for you to maintain your happiness vibration, your happiness frequency. It's easier to feel happy when you are in a good headspace. It's easier to feel happy when you're having fun with friends and feeling that sense of social connectedness. In fact, we know it is scientifically proven to be, <laughs> to be correlated. And certainly, it's a whole lot easier to be happy when you're feeling physically well. As someone that has spent almost the last year in chronic pain from a shoulder injury, I can completely confirm that you know your physical health makes a huge contribution to your mental health. So you know the reality is though most of us don't operate at peak performance. So you know in my day job I work in change management. I work with companies to help their staff adopt new computer systems. Everybody loves a new computer system, don't they? Especially now that we're all working from home. So that's taught me a lot about hidden resistance um, and how hard it is for most of us to make a change and stick with it. You can make a plan, you can talk about it, uh, you can write it on a piece of paper and stick it on your wall like a New Year's resolution. I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna quit smoking, I'm gonna exercise regularly. And then, you know, it's not so easy to stick with it. So part of what I've really focused in on uh, recently is studying brain science to learn how to hack our habits, how to find ways to make those positive changes without, you know, without needing a catastrophe to, um, to be the catalyst for change. So my goal in talking about this is to give you some ideas on how to stick with a few simple changes that can give you big results on the feeling good scale. And um, I will have a handout along with this presentation with lots of links and additional information if you want to go more deeply into any of it. So we're going to start with the soul 
um, because that's really your connectedness, right? So um, three parts of this. Connection comes from finding and nurturing your tribe, whether your tribe is a religious group that you're part of, a business networking group like Balance Wellbeing and our fabulous Shauna, um, whether it is a group of friends that you can get together and just be your real self with. Um, find your tribe, find the people that when you're spending time with them, you walk away feeling energized, you feel lifted up and you know you can reach to them in your darkest moments. That's your tribe. Those are special people and that's what makes life worth living. Connect to that inner voice because you only have one you and you need to really care for and honor what your inner voice is telling you. And um, one that we don't often think about, but is really, really important. We talk about, you know, cultivating that attitude of gratitude. Uh, being in service to others is the quickest way to feel better and feel happier. So pay it forward. Buy the person behind you in the drive-through a coffee. Make a donation to your local food, food bank. Um, do, you know, just do some random acts of kindness. You would be amazed how that lifts your spirits, no matter how you're feeling. We're going to talk about the body now. And again, I'm not going to go into all the different things about what you can do, although, you know, basically the four categories, move it, exercise, fuel it, eat, eat food with really high quality nutrition. So, you know, what you eat is important. Hydrate, not just because you should have your eight glasses a day, but because the why is your cells needed for regeneration and recharge with quality sleep. It's as much as it's important to get enough sleep, it's important to have high quality sleep because that's where your brain waves are, um, are going into the cycles that will really make a difference for you. So, you know, the reason why we're focusing on the body today is really to talk about dopamine and serotonin levels, which are directly correlated with your happiness, as well as endorphins. So I don't know how familiar you are with cortisol. Cortisol is a hormone that our bodies produce in response to stress. According to the research, cortisol is a major age accelerating hormone. It interferes with learning, memory, and in general, it's just not great for your health or well-being. And let's think, you know, when you're in sustained or chronic stress, and your body is having elevated cortisol levels for an extended period of time, that is now um, leading you to have reduced serotonin and other neurotransmitters in the brain that you need to feel happy. So lo and behold, if you have sustained stress and higher cortisol, you have a much higher incidence of depression. We want to look at things we can do chemically to help the brain produce more dopamine and serotonin, the happy, um, the happy hormones, and uh, or the happy chemicals. Because when those systems are working normally, they regulate sleep, 
appetite, energy, sex drive, and they really permit expression of our normal moods and emotions. So really, really important. Um, find simple ways to eat healthier food, move more, get quality sleep. Um, just coming for a second to the theta wave, um, theta waves are uh, the brainwave state of dreaming, and they're associated with increased creativity and memory, super learning, um, and our ability to make broadly based positive changes in the way we see ourselves, others, and certain life situations. So get good sleep. So how are we going to do that? Um, again, we come back to that, you know, great intentions. How do we follow through? Make a plan, but then there's two more things that you can do that really increase your probability of success here. The first is to time block. So if you want to put more exercise in your, into your day, into your week, time block it. Moderate activity could be as easy as a 30 minute walk five times a week. For me, I put this in my calendar. I, um, you know, I have a very busy work calendar. I have kids in sports and everything else. So I've learned the hard way that if I don't put something in my calendar, it doesn't happen. Um, and I was not very good at putting my exercise stuff in my calendar. And so lo and behold, too busy, too tired, someone needs me for something else, and it never happened. When I started putting it in my calendar and time blocking to say, how am I going to get my 150 minutes this week? Now I have a sense of accountability to make it happen. But then there's still reality. There will be things that pop up. So the more you prepare in advance for those contingencies, uh, kind of like being a project manager of your own life in some ways, you can identify those derailers and plan in advance for how you're gonna handle it if these things happen. So what are some common things that derail you from your goals? And then you can you know, plan and say, when that happens, how am I gonna handle it? Because we all slip up, that's normal. Don't beat yourself up, just get back on the wagon. Last but not least is focusing on your mind um, because we have through the law of attraction, the ability to really bring into being what we want more of in our lives by focusing on it. So um, constructionism is a really interesting um, principle and it's used in business, it's used in marketing, it's used in all sorts of things because it basically is saying um, that you have the ability to create what you want more of. So we tend in our uh, Western society to be trained from a very, very early uh, time in our life to focus on what's not working, to focus on flaws and how to fix them. How many of us have you know, had performance reviews at work where you're a fabulous worker, however, there are these three things and we want you to focus on these three things. Well, there's some great books out there like Manage Your Strengths that basically say, if you put that same energy into your strengths, what you would get out of that is um, you know exponentially more 
positive more and has more potential than trying to incrementally fix that last one or two percent in your flaws. So change that mindset, cultivate that happy person perspective. Learn to check in, be aware of your mood and your stress level. You might want to journal that on a daily basis and then look at what are the things that are bringing you down. Um, part of that is learning to let go of what you can't control, learning how not to sweat the small stuff, you know, how much uh, do you create anxiety around things that are unlikely or improbable to occur and you stress about how you're going to handle it when that happens, but really it's not. That's a huge emotional waster. So the more you can cultivate a happy person perspective, let that stuff roll off of you. Um, when I traveled to Thailand, they had a phrase that just really stuck with me because it was so cool. Uh, it's my pen rai, and it basically means it washes over me. So when something happens and my instinctive reaction is to get frustrated or angry, I take a deep breath and I say, my pen rai. And I really check in and I say, is this worth getting angry about or upset about or ruining the rest of my day over? If it's not, it washes over me. Um, focus on what you want more of versus what's not working. This is called reframing and it reframes your thinking from negative to positive. I wanna um, just talk briefly about a technique using reframing that you can use immediately in your day-to-day. -day. Um, personal story, uh, as many married folks or folks in long-term relationships have, you know, there are times when my partner and I are not really vibing together so well. And that happened and I sat down and I took a piece of paper and I listed off all the things that were driving me crazy. In the past, I would do that. I would journal it. I would pour all of that energy out, but it wouldn't go anywhere. It just would be all this energy that I, I vented it out, um, but I would either burn the paper or delete it, you know, because it just, the more I focused on that, it was all the things that were making me angry and upset. Well, I started creating a second column next to the first. So that for each thing that was driving me crazy, I had another column that said, what do I want more of? And for each one, I had to step back and reframe it and say, okay, this is driving me crazy, but if things were good, what would I want more of? It was probably the most powerful moment in my 20 year marriage because I was then able to, to look at those things I wanted more of, and now I can create the plan and have the conversation with my husband, not to say, you drive me crazy, you need to change, but here's what I really want more of. And if we have more of this, here's why I think it would be really good for us. Lo and behold, which conversation do you think is going to be more productive with your partner and get you where you want to go, right? Focus on what you want more of and use constructionism, co-constructionism to build that happier future. So um, I just want to kind of finish up by talking about the WIFM. What's in it for me? Why is everything we talked about here today so important? 
when you move from a lack mindset to an abundance mindset, every small action you take to be happier sets in motion the energy to bring you up higher on that emotional consciousness scale. And it strengthens your capacity to spend more and more time feeling happier, joyful, peaceful. You know, thank you quantum mechanics, because as you resonate at that higher frequency, energy like attracts like. And so you attract other energy at that frequency. So you will start to feel better yourself, but you'll also start to bring more positive energy, positive people um, into your energy field, into your everyday life. So um, the picture on this page is of a vision board. A lot of people use vision boards. They're really powerful from that perspective of positive visualization. Um, you know, create your unique vision of the happier you, those moments that you journaled to say, this is what, these are the moments where I'm really happy and I want more of them. Make it a concrete vision, multicolor, technicolor. You know, you have the power to create it energetically just by thinking about it. Um, and if you think I'm crazy for that, world-class athletes use this technique all the time for great results. Um, a, a, a fabulous friend of mine who is a um, professional speaker and performance coach uh, actually dug into the research and identified that positive visualization um, was even more likely than extended um, practice and, and exercise to get Olympic athletes onto the podium. It astounding results. So um, don't don't discount how powerful your mind is, and and what's in your mind is what you're going to get more of. So make it positive. Really, what have you got to lose? In summary, happiness is not more money, a perfect body. Although I would be okay with that. Six pack abs would be okay. I'm I'm good with that. You know, um, pleasure does not equal joy. You can buy pleasure. There's nothing wrong with pleasure, but joy comes from inside, and no one can take that away from you. So um, just remember, perfect people aren't real, and real people aren't perfect. And embrace the real you. Thank you for taking the time to consider how these tips can shift your life and, and help you feel happier no matter what else is going on in the world. You have the power to do this. You got this.